I've called for the question, asked for unanimous consent. Uh, got the results, and I thanked every one of our of our colleagues, and said I will work as hard as I can to help help all of you, help our help our team, help us get a new speaker, and go go do the work that the American people want us to do. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. All right, that's the voice of Congressman Jim Jordan. As you know, he dropped out of the race for speaker just last week after the third failed vote for him. Uh, but it's not as you know, it's not as neat and clean as it sounds. I have to tell you that the the conservative Republican American majority and the conservative in the Republican Party rang the phones off the hook. They supported Jim Jordan. They wanted Jim Jordan. They ask and ask and ask their congressman to vote for Jim Jordan. And so, as you'll hear, Jenny Beth Martin, who is the founder of Tea Party Patriots, when she joins us, you'll get the reason why uh, in public uh, – Jim Jordan got 194 votes of the conference, and in private ballot, he only got 86. There's a reason for that. That's probably not what you think. Uh, there's no question that the Republican Party in general is at war with its base. The Republican leadership is at war with its base. Mitch McConnell has been at war with his base, with the Republican base for since the Tea Party started. I'll never forget how he talked about how he hated and was going to destroy the Tea Party. That's from the leader of the Senate, uh, the Republican senators. Yeah, that's what he said. There is a war going on, and in this particular battle, conservatives nearly prevailed, and it's not over yet. The battle is not over. You may be weary. You may be listening to any of the networks. Fox is one of the worst on this. You are not getting the truth about what's happening here. And I'm going to try to sort, sort that out today a little bit. I'm going to bring you some information uh, that I think you need to know and also tell you that they are they are convening. By the time you hear this, uh, they are convening on, on Monday morning. There's like nine candidates. They have a procedure, and they're going to start again. We'll get into who those candidates are in a second, uh, but uh, they're going to do a vote uh, for the speaker candidate, assuming that someone prevails in the caucus. Uh, t- on Tuesday morning, October the 24th, again, depending on when you hear this. So, um, but even if this is, is not the timeline that you want, you're hearing this later or after Monday or after Tuesday, still, you need to know what's going on behind the scenes. And that's what I'm about the business of trying to help you, uh, just to help you, to inform you. So you'll know how to make good decisions and how to feel about this process and not be Uh, one of the millions of Americans completely in the dark are misled by the media and by the Republicans and by the establishment and by Fox and by Wall Street Journal and by uh, National Review. I could go on and on. Just total, total uh, untruths being told to the base. And so we're going to get into what is really true in just a second. Again, this is Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. We talk about pre-born a lot, and that's because we really believe in their mission. Well, I believe in their mission. And we know you do, too. Uh, who wouldn't want to stop rescuing babies and helping mothers in crisis, speaking of children? Well, preborn is reaching into the hearts of women by allowing them to hear the heart of their babies and introducing them in the process to the heart of God. And it's a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance of life. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies. But it doesn't stop there. They offer mothers maternity clothes and doctor visits and the help they need to choose life. Now, that's good news. You know, the other thing they do, and I say this all the time, they introduce the moms uh, 
to the Savior, to the reason that life is sacred. They, they explain the whole thing. They may not lead with that. I don't know. Uh, they try to persuade them first, and then in the process, they make sure that they know. Uh, would you help by supporting pre-born? Many of you have. So many of you have, and I thank you. But there are some of you that haven't yet. You go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And make your most generous donation. And as always, you know you can call us at 662-821-2040. You can write us an email. Do you know how to do an email? <laughs> I think I do. Remember? Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy at AFR.net. You can find us on any podcast platform, any of your favorites. You can find us at AFR.net. That is our home base. That is our home turf. You can go to sandyrios.com. That's my website. It has a lot of information. about. It actually has a page, uh, a link to a website about my daughter, Sasha. For some of you who want to hear more or see more, that would be a good place to go, sandyrios.com. And you can listen to the show at that address as well. Facebook, Sandy Rios 24-7. Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Who says that? Don't you hate it when people go blah, blah, blah? But any, anyway, we're on all the social media platforms, and you can find us on all of them. All right, so this is a day when you might actually want to have a pad and a pencil so that you can write down some of the things we're going to share with you in my interview with Jenny Beth Martin of Tea Party Patriots on Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Unfortunately, um, Jim is no longer going to be the nominee. We'll have to go back to the drawing board. What history will look at, the crazy eights led by Gates, the amount of damage they have done to this party and to this country is insurmountable. I've never seen this amount of damage done to just a few people for their own personalities, for their own fear of what's going through. And really, um, it's astonishing to me. And um, we are in a very bad position as a party, one that has won the majority, one that America has entrusted us with, that a simple eight people have put us in this place. So what's going to happen next? What kind of names do you expect to be on the candidate forum list? I don't know. I mean, on a very serious note, this is talking about the, the person third in line to the presidency. And... The furthest step anybody takes is from the front row to the podium. A lot of people here that might put their name in might not have the knowledge of what it takes in others. So I, I hope we, we, we had some other people up for the job that both could have done the job. Uh, I, I'm concerned about where we go from here. Well, yes, he is. That's the former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Always, always very convincing. Uh, and I have a feeling that most Americans have no idea what's actually happened in the House. And that's why I've asked Jenny Beth Martin to join me this morning. Jenny Beth is the founder and president of Tea Party Patriots. 
Uh, what you wouldn't know about Jenny Beth is that um, besides the fact that Tea Party Patriots has a huge reach and does incredible things, probably many of you are part of the organization. They're activists uh, who survived the Obama years and the IRS and really are the leading, uh, certainly the leading Tea Party group. But Jenny Beth is uh, an incredibly influential person in Washington, D.C. She works quietly, but as I've observed her, she's just, uh, I think Jenny is brilliant, she's strategic, and she's one of us. And I've asked her to join me this morning because I know she knows all about what's happening on Capitol Hill right now. Jenny Beth, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sandy. All right, so we both heard what Kevin McCarthy just said. So I could, I could, uh, you know, I could respond to that, but I want you to. It's the crazy eight. It's Matt Gase and those other eight who caused McCarthy, he's saying himself, uh, to lose his gavel, and that's what's put us in this chaos. And that's what Fox is saying. That's what all, except maybe Newsmax, they're all saying that. So, Jenny Beth, what do you see as the truth here? Well. Kevin McCarthy made promises and commitments in January, and at least um, four of those eight people, maybe five of those eight, eight people, don't think he kept the promises that he made. And um, they, they feel, especially Matt Gates and Eli Crane and Andy Biggs, those three, um, they feel They feel so strongly about the need to return Congress to what is considered regular order, um, allowing the appropriation bills to go to the floor. The appropriation bills are 12 of them, and those bills determine how the government will spend money and what programs will be funded and at what level. And there are, under normal circumstances, regular order, amendments that are offered for all of America to see and uh, amendments that are offered from both political sides of the aisle. And um, and they're voted up or down, and there's transparency and accountability for how, thing, how money is being spent. And those three congressmen in particular, and I would also add Bob Good from Virginia to that, felt so strongly that it's important to get back to that, that they were willing to to do what they did and enter the Matt Gates entered the motion to vacate and and eight people voted with that and and we are where we are right now because of that. There's a lot of back and forth and a lot of name calling and a lot of personality driven and all sorts of other things. But um, I I think when you listen when you truly listen to what Matt Gates was saying his reasons were for what he was doing when he was speaking at length. Um, you understand a bit more about why he did what he did. Now, whether he should have or not, that that can be debated, but the reasons for it are not as simple as, as the talking points may seem. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just jump in and say, Jenny, but I thought, from my perspective, uh, Matt did what no one else would have done. Uh, we have some great guys, uh, great conservatives serving us now. I praise them all the time. I'm so grateful for them. I'm so grateful for their staff. Uh, but I don't think any of them would have done what Matt did. Uh, and so it took a ton of courage. And uh, I would just like to ask Kevin McCarthy what these guys have gained. What they, what did Matt Gates think he was going to gain? What did Bob Good, what did uh, uh, um, Arizona, my, what I have, my name, the names are going the out Andy of my head. Andy Biggs and Andy Crane Biggs. and Eli yes. Crane. Yeah, what, what in the world, did, were, was it advancement in Congress? Was it big money from K Street? 
The, the truth is they had nothing to gain. They had only grief to gain from doing that. And it is the, uh, the other side, and we can get into that, the 20, who have a lot to gain by not having a conservative speaker. We'll be back in just a second with Jenny Beth. It's ironic when I think about it that uh, the Tea Parties started over health care. They started over the proposal from the Barack Obama administration for what became known as Obamacare, which was a disaster. Uh, it's the first time the federal government had messed with our health care. Uh, Medicare was already in place, but uh, companies, health care was private. It wasn't something the government did unless you were a very poor person on Medicaid. Suddenly, the federal government is going to provide health care for every American. And all of us knew the Tea Party rose up out of that. I certainly preached against it when I was on the radio uh, because we knew that if government controlled our health care, they would control us. If they control whether you can get emergency care for your baby or help uh, when you're diagnosed with cancer and your decisions, uh, their decision to give you care is based on your political beliefs, we knew that would be a disaster. Now, we aren't quite there yet, but that's where we're moving. And that's why it's really relevant for me to tell you that Christian Healthcare Ministries is not part of that system. They provide money for your medical needs in a different way by pooling the resources of Christians, and um, you share this pool of money. And when it's your turn to have a crisis, emergency, or need, uh, you are able to draw from that pool. But it isn't just that. They have telehealth medicine. You can go see any doctor you want. You can go to any hospital you want. It really is a very freeing, uh, lack of control situation that you might love. So Go to chministries.org slash Sandy, that's chministries.org slash Sandy, and check out whether Christian Healthcare Ministries is the right match for you. And Jenny, I just want to, because again, uh, the, the whole thing's about like appropriations, people's eyes glaze over, uh, but let me just probably try to make it clear here that we are dealing with a national debt, as you well know, that's causing inflation to skyrocket, causing prices to skyrocket, mortgage, mortgage, mortgage rates, gasoline, energy prices, food, all of that is tied to how Congress spends our money. And that's the problem. Kevin McCarthy actually cooperated with President Biden, even though he, did, he said he didn't, on the last big spending uh, fiasco. And that's, I think, the straw that broke the camel's back. So, so I know that's my two cents worth, but here we are. Um, I'm going to play something for you. This was Steve Womack uh, weighing in on why Jim Jordan didn't win last week. Let's listen to it, and then I want to know what, what you think why Jim did not prevail. Here is Congressman Steve Womack. But there was something telling today, Jake, in my strong opinion, and I, I tried to I tried to communicate this to our leadership, and when I met with Mr. Jordan on Monday at noon, I tried to communicate that to him, and that is, Jim got 194 Republican votes in the open on the House floor about five hours ago. And then we went, went down to HC5 in the privacy of our conference, and in a secret ballot, he got 86. Now, that, that tells me that he was not nearly as popular yeah. among our colleagues as he was among a lot of people that have given me a lot of advice on the phone here over the last several days. So 
we, we, tr you know, we voted Tuesday. He was down 20 of our members. He's not going to get a Democrat vote. And then 22 on Wednesday. And then we wasted Thursday and came back on Friday. And then it went to 25. And it was about to be a lot worse if we'd have gone to a fourth vote. But, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to come back Monday and restart and see where, where it takes us. So, Jenny Beth, according to Congressman Steve Womack, uh, J Jim Jordan didn't win because he just wasn't popular. I, I don't really know why the secret ballot made such a difference. Why do you think? Can you unlock that mystery? Yeah, I think that you just have to look and see that there are nine other people running for Speaker of the House right now. And I, I, I would suspect that a couple of them, I, I, I know them pretty well, and I, I, I don't for instance, think that Gary Palmer or or uh, Byron Donalds, I think they still would have voted for Jim Jordan with a, a secret ballot, just because I, I have known them for a few years and know what their character is like. The rest of the the people within the, the body, the GOP conference, they want to look good to their voters, but at the end of the day, they don't really want what their voters want. And they're willing to go back into the conference and vote a different way behind closed doors with a secret ballot and and thumb their noses at their voters and stab their voters in the back. Um, but when they're out in public, they look like they are supporting the voters. I think it's a huge betrayal. And we it's difficult for us to be able to even know who did that because it was secret. I, I, I and it it's rather despicable. I want to elaborate on something else that Congressman Womack just said that that I find troubling. A week ago Saturday, so um, almost a week and a half ago, I, I spoke to a member of Congress who told me, and this is not one of the people who's pushing Jim Jordan very hard at all. Um, they. They told me that they expected that 26 people would vote against Jim Jordan and that there would be a set of people who vote against him initially, and they said it would be 20, and the number would go up by the third ballot to 26. And I kept warning people that's what I was told, and strategically that is how they plan these votes, so it looks like he's peeling away each time. And I really kept saying you need more votes on the floor to see if they're really going to hold to that or if if the the strategy um, scare don't let this strategy scare you away. But at the end of the day, Jim Jordan did and exhibited why he really should be the Speaker of the House, and that is because he just kept going back to the conference and saying, "What do you want me to do? I will do what you want to do. Tell me what you want." Um, I'm, I'm, I, if you want Scalise, I'll endorse Scalise. When it was uh, McCarthy in January, I endorsed McCarthy. When there was a motion to vacate, I worked against it. You wanted Scalise, I said I would endorse Scalise. You're not giving me the votes. What do you want me to do? But he's, uh, that's what a leader does. They keep going back and making sure that they are on the right track and, and that the people who they are leading are willing to follow. And um, the people... They, they chose not to in this instance, but I still think it exemplifies why he would have made an exceptional, an exceptional speaker. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you, Jenny Beth. And I think uh, I, the, your explanation is really good one about why there were so many people who didn't vote for for uh, um, Jordan privately because they're mostly these uh, people. These holdouts against Jordan were mostly from very red states. 
uh, and they wanted their cons- their constituents. The phones were ringing off the hook. And you heard Womack just say in that clip, he's complaining. He's slandering. He's actually putting a slap at his constituents who called him to support Jordan and is kind of mocking them uh, to Jake Tapper. Uh, I think, you know, we know a little bit more about the people that have been calling me on the phones. And you and I both know the the opponents have been complaining about constituents' calls. Have you ever heard? You're in grassroots, Jenny Beth. You generate calls for causes and candidates all the time. Have you ever heard anything like this? Yes, from the Democrats, from Obama, from Pelosi. Um, When we opposed Obamacare, that's the same kind of uh, treatment that we received from the Democrats. This time we're receiving it from from, um, Republican members of of Congress. But yeah, we've received, if they can't win, then they, and they realize that you're not going away, they'll make fun of you and mock you. And then they uh, malign you and attack you. And when that happens, it's easy to just say, okay, well, we back off. We're not going to do this. We'll be quiet. We'll comply. We don't want to be called bad names or whatever. You have to just keep going because they're determined to win. And we have to be as determined as they are to win. We have to stick to our values and our principles, and we have to be determined to win. So I think we just double down and we keep on going. It's not going to be Jim Jordan at this point, but it doesn't mean that we back away and just say, well, whoever you get for speaker is going to be A-OK. If they don't get back to regular order, if they don't in, in aside from regular order, which is very Washington, D.C., speak, and most normal people don't really care about it. If they don't do something to address inflation and the rising cost of everything in this country, it's crushing us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's causing the interest rates to go sky high so people can't buy houses right now, and the housing market is stalling. And uh, the invasion on the southern border, people are worried and scared now because we might have terrorists in our country. But more than that, the invasion along the border is affecting every single community in this country because the Biden administration is shipping people all over the country once they enter the country illegally or contrary to American law. So those are things Congress should be working on. And this, there are people within the Republican conference who are serious about making that happen. And there are others who are willing to give it lip service. But at the end of the day, they just want to take the easy road and make some sort of deal and not stand up for the, their constituents. Well, and, and I was, we saw that in, in full light last week. I think that pro, for the most part, it's only those few that are that were supporting Jim Jordan and who persuaded by sweat and tears and late nights are the others to join with Jordan. Those are the only, only ones actually willing to take on those issues. Kevin McCarthy wasn't. Jenny Beth, he never he never took on that. He did lip service and did nothing. And even in the even in the hearings, Kevin acted as though he were uh, you know like leading the charge on those, but he was actually restraining. Uh, the hearings by uh, giving restraints and and limitations on the hearings, even to Biden and others. But that's a story for another day. Well, let's talk about today. Now, you and I are talking on Monday morning, uh, uh, October the 23rd. People will hear this uh, sometimes at a later date. So uh, how many candidates do we have, Jenny Beth? You said nine? Yes, there are nine. Um, and... There are some who I I don't think are completely serious about this run um, 
or they put their name in very, very late. And then there are others who've given it um, more serious consideration. The And what's supposed to happen is that there's supposed to be speeches tonight, with, Monday, with the Republican conference. And then on Tuesday, the conference is supposed to start voting and go through probably multiple ballots to determine who gets the majority. Um, I, I think that Byron Donald, we have not yet, Tea Party Patriots Action has not yet endorsed anyone for the speaker race. I, I think Byron Donald's is the one who shares our values the most closely and um, is an incredible spokesman for the reason we need to get government spending under control. He can break down big numbers with lots of zeros and commas in a way that makes sense to the average American. And we need someone who is willing to do that and to, and to champion that because inflation is a real problem in America right now. There are um, one or two people who seem to be never Trump type people. And I think that it would be a disaster for the Speaker of the House to be someone who is never Trump if Trump actually becomes the nominee next year. That will make 2024 a very difficult situation for us to be able to win, a a difficult environment for us to win in. And I, I think that they need to pay attention a little bit to that because the Speaker of the House will be considered one of the leading, the, the most prominent leaders of the Republican Party. And, and let me, and I think probably my, from, from my perspective, the number one person, as you just described, is Tom Emmer, who threw his hat in the ring just as soon as Jordan withdrew or failed to get the votes. And my uh, Kevin McCarthy has already, already endorsed him. Uh, and he's he's a very a lot of people though are saying in the Congress they're not going to vote for him. He's going to have the same problem that McCarthy has, don't you think? I I would imagine so. Right now, I think most of these people are going to have the same kind of problem that McCarthy and Jordan and Scalise had. They have to get to two seventeen, and I don't know exactly how how they're going to do that. They've got to figure out how they can do that and quit punishing one another and pick the right person who is the best person to lead them for the next five months as they get through the spending bills. I know that it's another year and four months until the end of this Congress, but the next five or six months are when the real action in Congress will happen. And then they shift to elections and they don't really pay attention to their work in Washington, D.C. And who is going to be the best spokesperson across the country to convey what conservatism is so that it convinces people to donate and to, and to vote for Republicans? And they, they need to be thinking about, about all of that. Tom Emmer was the chairman of the National Congressional the NR, the National Republican Congressional Committee, that is the arm that raised money and helped elect Republicans to Congress. Um, the arm of the, the, a political arm, if you will. He was the chairman of that, and he helped many of the freshmen who were there raise money and become elected. So there may be some of those who have loyalty to him, but I've heard a lot of complaints about him, and I don't know him. So I, 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 I just don't know him, and I haven't fully researched him. I've heard people saying that, that he's never Trump, so I need to make sure I understand that a little bit more. Um, I also have heard that he's socially liberal, not socially conservative, 
even though he's socially liberal, he has been fair to all factions of the conference and at least listens to all of them. So he does have that going for him. But he, we also need a speaker who can advance our values and show a clear, bright dif- differentiation between conservatism and leftism in this country. And if you can't do that and, and you're just painting in pastel colors, I think it makes next year even more difficult. Yes, I well, and on Emmer, there's a there's I've been reading about this, uh, Jenny Beth. There's a lot of stuff about him. I think we should be very concerned about. It. I think he worked for a Soros entity. Yes. He's all in favor of uh, you know uh, uh, the popular vote. Now, the popular doing, vote and, yeah. and not the electoral college, which yeah. would be. A, in absolute, we cannot have that. We have to have the Electoral College. It was set up for a purpose. He said he read some book about it, and my response to that would be, go back and read the Federalist Papers and the arguments with the Constitutional Convention in the first place. Why do we have an Electoral College in the first place? Don't read some book that was written just in the last few years and decide to upend what has worked for America for centuries. Yes, and he's, he's endorsing the same plan that George Soros' son is endorsing La Raza, I mean, some horrible organizations. So that's a huge red flag. You know, I agree with you totally on Byron Donalds. I mean, I, I just think uh, there are lots of conservatives, and I'm so grateful they're certainly not all running. But Byron has, uh, he is, uh, I guess, probably President Trump. <laughs> which I'm not, I would say he's high energy. I mean, he doesn't mind taking on the big issues. He's full of uh, courage. He takes issues on. I would love to see him <laughs> spar with Hakeem Jeffries. I would love to see that, uh, Jenny Beth. But uh, just on a practical level, here's the things that, that Byron says. These are his goals. He wants to secure our border, fund our government responsibly, advance our conservative agenda, and expand the Republican Majority. That's his four uh, things he's running for speaker on, as opposed to Pete Sessions, whose things, whose list is, I'm sorry, it's hard for me to hold back. Can you tell him I'm a commentator, not a news person? Uh, the, Pete wants to unite the Republican conference and return to regular order. That's his number one goal. He wants to provide exceptional customer service for members of Congress and their staff, and he wants to expand the House Republican majority. That's that's got to be like stuff of a of a joke. But that's his that's his platform. Do you think he's Pete Sessions is a serious candidate to be reckoned with? Well, I think I think that you have to pay attention to Pete Sessions for this reason. He is from Texas, and normally the Texas delegation has a rule that when one of the people from Texas runs for a position, they all support him. Now, I do not think that Chip Roy or Michael Cloud are going to wind up supporting him, but the rest of that delegation, if they get behind him, that's a large block of votes that, that might get him past the first ballot. Um and and then you have to just see sort of where where it goes. So I I don't know if he's serious or not, but I, I he, he's not from Minnesota where he's going to have just a couple people from a state voting for him. There there are a lot of Texan congressmen. On the issue of Byron, Byron Donalds, you know he is as conservative as Jim Jordan. So the the notorious 20 or 21 or 22, however they count themselves, led by Kay Granger, who is the head of appropriations right now. And there's a lot of talk about removing her from her position because she refused to support Jim Jordan, who was, in fact, the nominee of the Republican conference. But um, 
uh, do you think that Byron Donalds, is there any change in perspective, any shift in votes that you can see uh, 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 toward Byron Donalds? Can you explain, please? Yes. um, So um, Jimenez, who had previously said he's only Kevin McCarthy, um, and uh, Mario Diaz-Balot both have endorsed Byron for speaker. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me at all because um, he is as conservative as Jim Jordan, and he was part of the 20 in January, and he did not vote for the motion to vacate. So I don't know why they needed to punish Jim Jordan and not Byron Donalds, but um, I'll take it. If if they can get behind Byron, that's a, a very good thing. I'm not sure where Rutherford is. Rutherford was also part of the, the gang of 22 or 25, 7, whichever number you want to choose. Um, he was from, is from Florida, and I need to research where he stands. He might also be for Byron Donalds, which means three of the people who were against Jim Jordan are already supporting By- Byron Donalds. At least two are. And that's huge. Even if it's just two, it's 10% of that that group. All right. Now, you're a grass. This is the part I'm not quite sure about, Jenny Beth. Please advise here. They are deliberating. The grassroots got so motivated with Jim Jordan that they crashed the phone lines they did. And that's why those congressmen are just so unhappy that you all bothered them in that way and exposed their, you know, their little game they're playing. I'm sorry, that's my words. Uh, they complained about death threats, which is just ridiculous. I saw someone on the uh, on a Twitter thread saying, "You know, conservative Republicans don't don't do death threats. You know, they don't. That is not the the nature of your constituents, and it's very offensive. And I think that's true, Jenny Beth. But anyway, um, so uh, what should pe- grassroots be doing? I think a lot of them are tired. They've sort of you know really felt that they spent their wad, so to speak." on trying to get Jordan elected, what should they be doing right now and how should they be reacting? Um, I, I think that we need to keep making the phone calls. And even though our organization has not yet endorsed, and I don't know whether Tea Pretty Patriots Action will be endorsing, I recommend that people call your congressman and tell them to vote for Jim Jordan. Get the list, which we have, you can find on my Twitter account at Jenny Beth M. Jenny Beth M., of the people who voted against Jim Jordan in the last round and call them and urge them also to vote for Byron Donalds for speaker and just start lighting up those phone lines. As far as the the, the um, complaints about threats towards members of Congress, when I say call, I obviously mean call and peace, peaceably uh, express your opinion about the government and do so peace, peaceably and lawfully, which our First Amendment allows us to do. I think that these congressmen who are saying, well, we receive threats and uh, therefore we can't vote the way that people want us to. You, they, That is like punishing. It's like saying um, there is a crime and so we are going to pass a law that prevents everyone from doing something lawfully because one person broke a law. If you made a threat against a member of Congress, you should be held accountable and the law enforcement should be called and that complaint should be investigated and handled according to the law. But you can't allow one or two or however many people it was to discount what all the rest of the people are saying. That's a cop-out and it's an excuse and I find it offensive 
And again, it's the kind of thing that um, Congressman John Lewis and uh, then Speaker Pelosi would have said and did say about the Tea Party movement back in in 2010 when we were opposing Obamacare. Yeah, so it is very Democrat-like. That's why I, I agree with you. Byron Donalds is the guy I support, and I would encourage my listeners. Uh, I, by the way, Tea Party Patriots, uh, help me, Jenny, uh, the the uh, the website for Tea Party Patriots. Tea, tea, Party Patri- tea Party Patriots.org, Tea Party Patriots.org. Okay, because I want them to, to, you guys do some great stuff. And you guys, you, you, you cover a lot of issues, so I want them to know about you and link up. And if you want to find out who the candidates are, go to Jenny Beth's Twitter account. It's Jenny Beth M at Twitter, at Tweet. Um, all right, Jenny Beth M at, on Twitter. Or on X, whatever we're going to call it. But yeah. uh, nevertheless, uh, this, don't get weary. All of you listening to me, just don't get tired of doing this. I mean, because certainly the guys who represent us right now, the good guys, they're tired. You know they're tired. And you can't win a battle by, you know, going home to have a sandwich. And so we're, we may not be on the front lines of this, but we can certainly, like the Israelis right now, bringing food to the soldiers, we can help them in this way. So let's call our congressmen and ask them politely to support Byron Donalds for speaker. Jenny Beth Martin from Tea Party Patriots. Jenny Beth, thank you, as always. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. All right, Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. All right, this is Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. You know, when I think about uh, the the years I've spent on this earth and the way I've seen the uh, pro-life movement grow, uh, it's really amazing. And sometimes I personally, I don't stop to thank God. Uh, for what he's done in people's hearts. It wasn't always like this, this uh, this mainstreaming of being pro-life. It wasn't always like this. It was very controversial in the 80s. Uh, and in fact, uh, movies, you, know, you think we have a, a campaign to uh, support abortion now. It was terrible in the 80s, everywhere you looked. And when they show pictures of pro-life rallies, rallies which were you know very strong then, but not so mainstream as they are now. They would always zero in on the weirdest people in the crowd, the most bizarre, and that's how they would characterize us. I mean, we were the brunt of jokes. And I um, I find, I think that we are actually, the worm is going to start to turn here. We're going back, well, it already has. So that the pro-choice crowd has a very loud megaphone, and we may see things change, and we may have to, in fact, take a more difficult stand than we do now. It may not be so popular to be pro-life or acceptable. And so I just want you to be prepared for that. And in preparation for that, I think probably it's just just a wonderful thing for you to throw your support behind Preborn. You know it's preborn.com slash Sandy. That's how you do it. Well, you work hand-in-hand on the show to save babies. You, Many of you, many, many, many of you have already donated so generously. But for those of you who haven't, it's $28 to provide one ultrasound for one mom, uh, and she can see her baby in her womb, and then she can see the joys, the joys of being a mom. I mean, what mom, what mom would look at that and not be thrilled, you know, or maybe afraid <laughs> of what the process is going to be, but, but thrilled at the, the thought of life being inside of her? Well, 
Let's encourage her to keep that baby. Go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And uh, make your most generous donation. You're a candidate now officially for speaker? I am a candidate officially. Uh, we put out a notice on our ex that telling the American people and my colleagues that I've thrown my hat in the ring to run for Speaker of the House. Look, let's be very clear. Our House right now, we're having some issues. Uh, we can repair those issues, but it requires us to be unified, number one, go back to business and secure our border, actually fund this government responsibly, and then continue to lay out that conservative vision for the people who sent us here. That job can still be done. Um, I believe I am the leader that can get that job done. That's why I threw my hat in the ring to run for Speaker of the House. That's Congressman Byron Donalds. I, I, I think he's absolutely right. That's no exaggeration. You know, in many ways, you know, he's on the same on the issues as Jim Jordan, but Myron is tough, takes a tougher line, and he's a fighter. Now, Jim Jordan's a fighter, too, but he's kind of a mild-mannered guy, and I think I think Byron is more of a street fighter. Oh, I, that's my, you know, maybe not, but he is really willing to, he's not so uh, worried about uh, winning over the, he has to win over the conference, but you know what I'm saying. He really really gives a fight. And I'm glad for that. And as I said earlier, I would love to see Byron Donalds go up against Hakeem Jeffries. I'd like to see that debate. I'd like to see that interaction. That would be worth paying for. And that would be worth ringing the phones off the hook for Byron Donalds. That's not the only reason. And Byron's great. I'm going to give you an idea, again, of where, where he stands on the issues. He, this is his, what he's running for, running on, okay? Secure our border. Fund our government responsibly. Byron's a banker, by the way. That's why he's so good with numbers. Advance our conservative agenda. Now, you know what that means. That means life. That means liberty. That means uh, an out-of-control Justice Department, all of that. Expand our Republican majority, and that's very important. They only have five seats in a House advantage, and so uh, that's why they're, you know, they're hanging by threads here. So that's what Byron stands for, and I want to read you a little bit more of his statement here. He says, as a member of this conference, he's speaking of the Republican conference, I've seen firsthand the devotion of my colleagues to improving the lives of their constituents and the future of America. We come from different walks of life, but share the common pursuit of a more perfect union. As speaker, every voice in our conference will have a seat at the table to ensure our unity and consensus on the legislative battles we face. Under my leadership, the House will lead the charge to advance a simple objective, to put the American people first, to keep them safe and make their lives easier. Titles aren't given, they're earned. I look forward to securing the votes of a majority of my Republican colleagues to become the first African-American speaker, the first speaker from the great state of Florida, and the next speaker of the 118th Congress. Isn't that great? Great stuff. Okay, so I'm going to contrast that as I did earlier because maybe you didn't catch that. While Byron wants to secure the border and uh, fund the government responsibly and advance a conservative agenda and expand the Republican majority, Pete Sessions, Pete Sessions, this is, these are his priorities. I can't, believe, I can't believe anybody would do this, but I guess he has, a, I know, he has a lot of support from the moneyed folk, the establishment. So we'll see what happens. From Texas, kind of, but I'll tell you about that in a second. His goals, as opposed to the border, 
responsible money, advance the conservative agenda, expand the Republican majority. Well, he and Byron have that in common. Their last point is to expand the Republican majority. So that's good. That's the common ground. But the other two priorities for Pete Sessions are to unite the Republican conference and return regular order to provide exceptional customer service for members of Congress and their staff. I, I, can't, I can't believe you would write that and be serious, but he is. And I also was reading in prepping for this yesterday that Pete Sessions doesn't even actually live uh, in Texas. He hasn't lived there for a long, long time. Year, I don't know how many years, but several years. He is supposed to represent a, a part of Dallas, and part of the, the Constitution states very clearly that a congressman has to live in a district. And that's why a lot of people I've known who've run for Congress have moved to a district in order to run or moved from a district. So this is pretty standard fare. Uh, but not for Pete Sessions. He just doesn't live there at all. In fact, he lives with his former staffer, now wife, in a very large home. Some people describe it as a 700 and something thousand dollar home in Florida. His residence in uh, the Dallas area where he represents them is an efficiency apartment that doesn't have utilities turned on and where neighbors say no one ever comes or goes. So this is a total fraud. And if we had a media that was worth their salt, uh, they would you would know that about Pete Sessions. There's a lot more to say about him because I found him to be horrible on the border. Horrible, horrible. That much I know for sure. There are other things too, but I want to get on to someone else. Now, you heard the hatred of Matt Gates and the hatred of the six or the two, eight, depending on how you count it, who caused McCarthy not to be speaker, who dared to call the question and oust him. Uh, they are hated by the Republican establishment. They're hated by these 20. That's one of the reasons why they really could care less what's happening in the world and in the country because they're, they'll uh, I'm trying to find a nice word. They will be, um, yeah, there's no way they're going to allow a conservative speaker. They don't care. They're not going to compromise. It wasn't. didn't matter that Jim Jordan was the pick of the conference, and he was. He was voted by a huge majority, and then some, in the Republican conference, but they refused to endorse their own candidate, and there's a reason for that. Now, Tom McClintock in California is one of those who's like a never- uh, he hates conservatives. I think that's probably, well, maybe that's overstating it. But this is what he says. He just wrote uh, Matt Gates and Andy Biggs, Ken Buck, Tim Burchette, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Bob Good. I think I repeat Matt twice. Bob Good, Nancy Mace, Matt Rosendale. He says, Dear Wayward Colleagues, he says, in your letter of October 20th, in which you graciously offered to martyr yourselves as long as you can get your way, it's perhaps the most selfless act in American history. I was certain that our Republican colleagues who refused to vote, in quotes, with the Republican majority would have been inspired by your stirring example of party discipline and loyalty to vote with the team, as you so eloquently phrased it. And, of course, that sets the tone. Uh, basically, you know, Matt and... Uh, the others signed a letter saying that they would resign from the conference and they would agree to a censure by the Congress, which is not a small thing. If they, if the others would let go of their grudge and simply support Jim Jordan. And this was the response they got. It's, uh, 
I, I'm not going to read the rest of it because it would take me too long, but that's Tom McClintock. And that's what a beating. You know, Matt Gates has taken a terrible beating by the press. He's mocked, ridiculed. Mattis seems like the only one who had the courage to really say what was happening and to try to stop it. So I, I'm, I'm in total in his camp. I don't know about his life or whatever. I can't say I agree with every single thing he does, but I agree with most of everything that I hear coming out of his mouth. And I think it was a pretty courage, courageous act for him to do what he did. Uh, Mike Pence is weighing in on this. This is one of the, this is a tweet that he uh, made on Saturday, October the 21st. Never in my wildest dreams would I have ever imagined eight Republicans partnering with every Democrat in Congress to throw out a Republican Speaker of a House. All roads lead back to the eight members of what I call the Chaos Caucus who set all this in motion. If you didn't think that Mike Pence was part of the swamp before, could you just kind of rest assured that he is? This is how he talks about these guys who tried to hold Kevin McCarthy to his promises, to the agreement he made, and when he didn't hold to that agreement and stabbed them in the back over the last funding, finance, whatever the issue was, omnibus, then then you're not conservative. You're more interested in money interests, and I think that's probably where, I can't say where Mike is. That's I, I could just follow what he said. That's what he just said. And then uh, Tom Emmer is the person who has thrown his hat in the ring, and we talked about this a little bit with Jenny Beth, uh, but uh, the, I need to get into this just a little bit more because uh, Tom Emmer is, I'll give you, Tom Emmer has said other things. I talked about him being against the national popular vote. The reason why that's a bad idea, the reason why George Soros Jr. and George Soros Sr. and La Raza, which is the radical uh, Hispanic caucus that thinks America belongs to uh, Mexico and to the Hispanic people, not to the USA, and I could go on and on. The other other socialist groups, um, they want the national popular vote. Why? Well, could I just explain to you? Do you see what's happening at the border? If you have a national popular vote, that means that, let's go back 10 years, California, New York, uh, those states would rule this country. Rhode Island would have nothing to say. And neither would New Hampshire or Vermont or, you know, Georgia, for that matter, because they can't compete with the population and the, like, the, uh, the populations of California and uh, New York. So the reason why founders established an electoral college or representative government was so that the smaller areas of the country who were very different in their affect, their just the way sometimes their way of life, their whatever, they were different in how they expressed American culture. They were all Americans faithful to the Constitution, that we better have a different kind of representation. That's why the Senate has two, two senators from each state, no matter how big or how small, and uh, that's why we have an electoral college. It's the same principle. And so it's very dangerous, and uh, one has to ask Tom Emmert why he's so all over and excited about something that George Soros is excited about. It maybe because he worked for a Soros-funded group, According to a top Trump ally, and I can't verify, I'm just reading what I wrote, but I, I'm, sure that, I'm pretty sure this is the case. Tom Emmer has defended Ilhan Omar more than he has President Trump, which is all you need to know. And so uh, he made a statement when the people in the Trump rally were chanting about Ilhan to send her back. Uh, Emmer piped in and said, there's no place for that. There's no place for that chant. I disagree with that completely. So that's Emmer. He wants to be Speaker of the House. What do you think about that? 
I would just tell you that we've got a lot of competing interests. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Another conservative who is uh, throwing his hat in the ring is Mike Johnson from Louisiana. Mike has been, um, I think he's done an excellent job in the committees that he's been part of in his questioning. Uh, I think during the attempted impeachment of President Trump, he did some, not, this is not about President Trump. I'm just trying to assess their willingness to fight and where they stand on certain issues. So uh, he was really good. He gave some very good challenges in that hearing. The, but I, I would say that my, this is my opinion. I think Mike is a great guy. I do. I don't think he has the same fight as Byron Donald's. And heaven knows we need someone who's willing to fight right now for the country. So that's why uh, I think Byron Donald's is the guy we need to be get behind uh, for speaker. So if you are, I would really encourage you to call your congressman again. Get you know, take a deep breath and uh, make a phone call again. Flood their they're mad at you for calling their offices. Well, they'll all the more reason to call their offices. You know, get more people to call their offices. How dare they be so disconnected and rude to their base? And yet that's where we are. But not the core. Not those guys that are trying to do what's right. Uh, the vote is impro- uh, not the vote, but the vote is coming up um, at this time that I'm recording. Uh, the decision on who to select in the conference is happening on Monday, the 23rd of October. So we need to be in prayer for these guys. And um, because so many of the guys that I trust are Christians, they really are. So is Byron Donalds. And I think right now with the world coming apart and what's happening in, is- in Israel, we do need someone like, like Jim Jordan was, someone who understands uh, in a greater sense what's happening in this world and, and brings that perspective to their leadership. So, all right, well, that's enough from me today. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without your help. They don't do it without your help, so I, I hope that you will contact them at Preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. I also want to thank Christian Healthcare Ministries. They're the longest serving health cost sharing ministry in the country. And uh, I hope that you'll go check them out and join them at chministries.org slash Sandy. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Sandy Rios 24 7.